Johnny and Justin were two simple Imagineers at Disneyland until they dared to ask the question, Hey Justin, is Disney diverse? Huh. Well, Johnny, I'm not. Oh no, we buried the mouse. Stormtroopers run! Holy crap, it's a gallon of cookies. Now, from undisclosed locations within the Disney park, Johnny and Justin record a podcast where they seek to answer the question, is the Disney catalog diverse? What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Disney Plus Diversity. I'm Johnny. I'm Justin. And today we're being joined by a very special guest, the Tony Sanchez! The... The one. The Tony Sanchez. The <laughs> Tony Sanchez. Yes, blow them kisses. <laughs> for many fans, for many fans. Hi. And, <laughs> and as you know, here on Disney Plus Diversity, we usually review the Disney catalog to see how diverse and inclusive actually is. But today, we have a very special episode. Let's talk about drill. I'm so excited! No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Oh, wow. Okay, <laughs> we're not ABC we'll fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing, though, we do have a very special episode, because as you know, it's Pride Month, and we asked Tony to come on, because Tony is a member of the LGBTQI community, and she's also very informed about many diverse issues. And then, but there's a Tony kind of lightness to the fight that Disney kind of has a very somewhat complicated relationship with Disney and representing LGQI characters and whatnot. And so we asked Tony to come on today and uh, inform us of this. And away, welcome to Tony's TED Talk. Oh, wow. We're calling it that. Okay. <laughs> Rainbows. Um, yes, so um, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm sure that somebody has kind of like crawled up, uh, upon this at some point or another, but usually, on the especially, yeah, it, it's something that always pops up on the interwebs somehow, some way, but uh, this kind of got inspired by that whole idea that all Disney villains are gay, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's entire mm. discourse about how the uh, Disney villains, they are in some way queer coded, right? Mm. And queer coding, of course, being like when you are actually portraying characters with characteristics of a queer person mm. but usually you're not stating outright that those are queer characters right yeah. oh, interesting. Um, and for a bigger breakdown you can actually go check out i do a podcast called have you tried not being a podcast it's about queer representation in pop culture and media we do uh, an entire uh, uh episode about queer coding and queer baiting uh, mm. So I think, like, if anybody wants a more in-depth, uh, detailed uh, explanation of what queer coding is and can be, then, yeah, definitely head over there. Um, and link in the bio. Link in the bio yeah. below. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, down there. Uh, so what we're talking about, though, and what people are saying when they mean, like, oh, all Disney villains are gay, what is that about? You kind of have to go back, like, all the way back to the 1930s, actually, mm. um, to a little thing called the Hayes Code. So the oh, motion okay. picture production code, uh, and it was called the Hayes Code because it was named after the motion picture, uh, or what was the precursor to the Motion Picture Association of America. Their president at the time, his last name was Hayes, so it just kind of became colloquially known as the Hayes Code. Oh. So the Hayes Code uh, was just a long list of do's and don'ts for uh, major film studios in America. And, you know, it's a little lengthy, and it went through several iterations, like there was uh, proposals, uh, I think like the first iteration of it was all the way back in 1927. Wow. 
So you're talking about 40 years yeah. in which this code mm -hmm. was not only around, but definitely at 1934 is when it really became strictly enforced, where mm -hmm. you had to submit your film uh, to make sure that it met all standards of that code. And if mm -hmm. it didn't, you either had to cut it or go back and redo something. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was very, very strict at a certain point. Uh, but I just, I don't want, we obviously don't have the time to go through every single thing. No, <laughs> but, but Tony, I, but Tony, Hayes yeah, I do want to go through the first through the first three general principles of okay. the Hays Code, which is okay. So number one, no picture shall be produced which will lower the moral standards of those who see it. Hence, the sympathy of the audience shall never be thrown to the side of crime, wrongdoing, evil, or sin. Number two, correct standards of life, subject only to the requirements of drama and entertainment, shall be presented. Number three, law, natural or human, shall not be ridiculed, nor shall sympathy be created for its violation. Mm. So wow. as you can imagine, this actually, all, all the rules kind of stem from these three principles, right? Yeah. Uh, they were and, very, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, so quick question. So this is the precursor to like what they use today as the motion picture ratings pretty much, right? A little bit, yeah. Instead of, we didn't have ratings back then. So what we did have, is just like absolutely nothing that's going to be in a film will not have any of X, Y, and Z. Any of these things. Gotcha. For sure. Any of these so instead of having rage, like, it's just like, boom, just we don't care. If you don't if you break be, one of these rules, we're just exactly. not going to put it out. We're not. Or you'll be fined or you'll be, you know, uh, any number of, of things that could have been handed down. Uh, but more often than not, you wouldn't get your film out there. So mm. it just, what? at a certain point, where were these you rules at for Birth of a Nation? Where were these rules at for Birth of a Nation? But that's no, neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. Continue, Birth Tony. I'm sorry. Birth of a Nation precedes. Birth of a Nation precedes the, the, the Hayes Code. So actually, Son of a gun. You had a lot of films of prior to the, to the Hayes Code that actually got in a lot of really ridiculous stuff, including like the Hayes Code actually uh, explicitly forbids the use of racial slurs and things like that. So there are some good things in the Hays Code, but by and large, it's mostly things about like, you know, promoting, uh, you know, cis heteronormative, you mm. know, uh, relationships, mm. traditional gender roles. Right, um, right. Where we get into with Disney, right? And where that this all kind of stems into. When you talk about not creating sympathy for people who are kind of, you know, either flouting man or natural law, right? You're talking about, you can't portray villains as sympathetic at mm -hmm. all all villainous crime and wrongdoing anything like that has to be portrayed in a negative light right right uh so any person that isn't a good person is not a good guy within the context of the film you have to go ahead and describe them certain characteristics right mm. so you, i think you kind of see where i'm going with this right? yeah i do yeah so then you get a lot of especially like in the 1930s and 40s you get characters like the shady effeminate villains right the male villains that are kind of like too slick a little too fashion forward just oh. a little like mm, okay could be maybe not i don't know but it doesn't like, matter because at the end they're gonna die because they're a villain and they have to die or they like, have to be punished kind of like captain hook exactly Blast that Peter Pan. If I could only find his hideout, I'd trap him in his lair. But where is it? Oh, exactly. damn. Exactly. Or you get women, femme fatale characters who are, not even the fact that they're queer, just the fact that they're sexually empowered mm -hmm. and they're actually using their sexuality in a way that is not good. So right. therefore they have to be bad. 
right? And then you right. kind of see how that leads up into the influencing of characters like Maleficent, the mm. witch Snow White. Mm. You know, these are very like, you know, seductive, you know, very sensual characters. And they aren't bad because of their sensuality. It's just that they've gone ahead and ascribed a certain characteristic in order to punish it because wow. that's not what good women do, right? right? That's not what good people do. Yeah, so, so in, a, in a way, it's yeah. like just, it's, it's causing like women's sexuality to be seen as a negative. So things right. that make women feminine or like empowers all them black women's sexuality, all sexuality they're seen yeah. as a negative. But damn, yeah. that's terrible. No, not even women's sexuality, but <clears throat> all sexuality. I like a big trope, like you guys remember uh, Princess Diaries where Princess Mia is talking about like getting the foot pop when she kisses, you know, a boy oh, that she yeah, likes yeah, for the first time. Right. Mm -hmm. That comes from classic cinema because way back when you couldn't portray sex, you couldn't portray passion mm -hmm. on the screen. So what they did is they developed a sort of visual shorthand. So right. whenever you would see somebody, you know, like, oh, we're going to get just a normal, like just a kiss, but the foot would come up. It was meant to kind of imply like, oh, there's tingles and jingles happening. Right, oh. right. It's like, they're gonna happen. It's right. like her, her leg is going up and so is something else. Right. <laughs> right. Well, that was the, well, the whole one foot thing was also because women and people, not just women, but everybody, all feet mm. had to be on the ground. Like you could not like, yeah, you couldn't have somebody on a bed right because then their feet right. would be the ground so right. one foot always had to be on the ground so that's where you got the foot oh, pump, right wow. so all sexuality was just taboo right so all yeah. portrayals of any kind of just chaste uh monogamous uh hetero you know uh sexuality and affection was just nowhere to be seen and if it mm. was it was meant to say like this is bad and mm. it's going to be punished by the end of this film mm. so when we get to Disney kind of creating its first like classic films and characters, they're not reinventing the wheel, right? right? They're just adapting fairy tales and folk tales. But then what they're also doing is borrowing tropes from classic cinema. But those tropes from classic cinema have been influenced by that Hays Code, which says that a very particular person is a good person and a very particular person is a bad person. So then you start taking these queer coded traits and imbuing your villains with it because who cares by the end of the time you know more often than not they're either dead they've been killed by the prince they've been banished from the kingdom or what have you um and everybody who is a good person well all they want is just true love with their one and only and their one and only is a man and that's all that that you know so you know good guys are this bad guys are that so what ended up happening though is especially when you get to a certain point people start realizing like oh, it's not that gay people and people with queer characteristics are bad. It's just the fact that you guys took something that was influenced by this very right. narrow description of what was good versus bad. And you took the characteristics of a very specific community and you imbued your villains with it. So now what's happening, you know, subconsciously is that you're ascribing you know, mm -hmm. the bad label and the evil label and the wrong label to queer characteristics and queer characters. Mm -hmm. Well, and yeah, that's this... something that we're now trying to deconstruct and we're now trying to imbue our characters. And now that's why you have this like explosion of like anti-heroes, of sympathetic villains. Something changed that day inside Lotso. Something snapped. She replaced us. Come on. No, she only replaced you. She replaced all of us didn't she right you know, people that were like okay i can 
you know, I mean, that's what makes, you know, when we talk about media, like, yeah, we, I don't, I don't agree with what the villain has done, but I get it. Like, I get uh, it. That would yeah, have yeah. been absolutely impossible during the time of that Hays Code. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much where the sort of all Disney villains are gay comes from. It's just because at a certain point, you could only portray certain characteristics in a certain light. And, and because of and because of that, and they're and they're paying homage and can and also just kind of following suit on what they know, right? Storytelling that that isn't really necessarily negating it to like, oh, we're doing this because of this, right? We're doing this because it's always been this, right? Yeah. So Disney is not trying to make a statement about gay people. What they're right. doing is just adopting certain tropes from classic cinema, and you mm -hmm. see this everywhere, right? You yeah, see it yeah. like in in kids cartoons from the time like looney mm -hmm. tunes and you know even the disney cartoons of the time where it's like oh like why is that character like very like weirdly sexualized and it's like it's because it's a trope from classic cinema why is right. that character almost like a shorthand for like a gay person because it's from classic yeah, cinema, cinema. Yeah. you're not reinventing the wheel you're just taking especially if at a certain point you've already developed that visual storytelling shorthand over the course of a few decades right you're storytelling to kids so you're trying right. to make it as simple and simplified as possible so that way kids can understand it. But the kids key. at the time and even the adults at the time, they weren't questioning it because they just were like, well, obviously, this is just what has to happen. Men yeah. marry women and they get married and they have their 2.5 children and that's it. Johnny, go ahead. Right. Yeah. 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 Weird. But yeah, but low, low key, it gets to be kind of problematic as you're saying, especially with kids, because like on the podcast and on this channel, we talk about how representation is important because kids pick up on things. When you see kids, mm -hmm. see people like them on the screen, it empowers them. That's the reason we talk about like why representation is so important. When kids see themselves in things like Black Panther or uh, Crazy Rich Asians, they're like, oh, cool. That's me. It empowers me. I can do cool things like that, too. But then right. when you portray like these villains, you show them as like to putting on these like these gay characteristics. The problem that is, as you're saying, is that now kids are starting to associate those characteristics with negative things and negative feelings. Mm -hmm. Which right. is, as they grow up, they're going to look at like those that people from that community in a negative light, which can describe to like when you see like kids when they're growing up. Again, back during the '90s and even now, still it still happens, and we're trying to like get it out of schools. But using the term "gay" in a negative way, it feels mm -hmm. like that's where a lot of that is reinforced at. Because you look at films, it's like, well, again, Hades, for example, Hades from Hercules. One could argue that he has a lot of queer characteristics. But again, he's also portrayed as a villain. So as you're saying, Tony, kids see that, they're like, oh, I don't want to be like Hades. So I'm going to opt the exact opposite of that or whatnot. And then, damn, I feel bad for other QI youth because that can make them feel bad as well. They're always right. being portrayed as the villain. Every time they see like these films from like Captain Hook or Hercules or Scar, like all these people taking on these like negative characteristics, they feel bad about themselves because like why are things that I like or are part of me always being shown as negative light? Damn. Right. Right, but what? then you do. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted yeah. to say no, 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 no. Go ahead, off go ahead. of Johnny's yeah, 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 idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, there has been, though, the reason why we're getting a lot of like Disney villains are gay discourse is because a lot of queer people and a lot of queer youth, especially, are identifying with those characters and actually mm -hmm. hanging on to them as not only representation, but just sort of like, like, like let's, let's face it the most interesting characters in the Disney canon, they tend to be the villains, right? Right. They're fashionable, they're dynamic, they got great songs, and they're mm -hmm. just like flamboyant and out there and unabashed in who they are and what they want, which right. you know, is usually evil. Maybe some world domination and or murder. I mean, you know. Or you like to, you know, take puppies and turn them into a coat, you know. 
Yeah. 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 And we talked about this. Ursula was a shit. Ursula was amazing. Ursula wasn't technically evil. She was offering opportunities. What you chose to do with those opportunities was up to you. It's what I live for to help unfortunate merfolk like yourself. Poor souls with no one else to turn to. That's all she was offering. Ursula was not a villain. Ursula was amazing, and her hair was fire. Continue, Tony. Continue. Her hair is fire. That like now there are people who are taking, sort of, basically reclaiming that back, taking Mm. what was meant to be a negative, and now taking it as like, no, I there was something about that character that I identify with. I like it, and I don't care if they're the villain, the so-called villain. And now, especially in a time when we are deconstructing the idea of what makes a hero and what makes Mm. a villain, like those conversations become far more robust and nuanced rather than just an idea of like good versus evil. Like, no, okay. I, I think right now, like, like right now, are you caught up with Loki just real quick? No, I'm not. Okay. I won't Neither say anything then. Um, you might've heard some stuff then, but like, but I, before I do that, and what I kind of want to j- dive into instead is like, you know, and I know you have a whole episode on, on queer baiting mm-hmm. in, in your show, but I kind of want to touch a little bit on that. Cause I do feel like, a company like Disney will do projects and things like, not saying that they will do it. In, here's what I'm saying. It's like, they will do a thing and promote something and, and say, look what we did. And they pat themselves on the back and go, yeah. see, look how, look, look. And I've seen that happen multiple times with Disney. They will, it seems like someone pointed out on Twitter, I think it's like every four months, they were like, look, our first, our first queer character. And it's like, didn't you have one in this other thing? Like before, yeah, but right. But like, look, isn't that great? Yeah, but are any of them the leads of the projects? You know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. um, they've they've been experimenting with, which I'm glad they're doing, like same sex parents, you know, in their children's shows. You know, mm-hmm. Ducktales has done it. Um, you know, My School Musical, the musical, the series, series. Done, it's done it. Uh, the Mighty Duck series that just finished also did it. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm glad, and you know, there's multiple other cartoon shows, et cetera, so I'm glad that they're doing it. But also it is that question of like, great, and you are normalizing that with families who have that. That's fantastic. How many of those are lead characters? And then how many of those are, are stories that they feel like they're leading the, the, the audience into thinking that? Like, what do you, you know, what are you, you know, what can you elaborate on that? And especially in terms of how Disney approaches it. So we actually have uh, also another episode about, um the uh basically the corporatization of pride mm-hmm. um, and we do actually get into disney disney has a very complicated history with not just queer characters but also the queer community right. uh it wasn't that long ago in fact the 80s where actually if you were uh if you were part of a queer couple you couldn't dance with your boyfriend and or girlfriend and or partner mm-hmm. uh if you were in a queer relationship because disney did not allow what they termed as homosexual fast dancing um <laughs> mm, yeah okay. so they actually went to court a couple of times uh until they finally went ahead and like did away with those anti uh homosexual and anti-queer policies wait um, Tony. And they- oh Tony, wait just to backtrack like so again they're not dancing together was this at their parks was this in their films like where so was this, this is like back when disneyland had videopolis that uh-huh. 18 like dance they had a dance area. club thing yeah it was yeah, an yeah. outdoor dance club and two gay men went and they were just dancing together and they got thrown out of the park. And Wait, time out. They went to the park, they're just yep. dancing, and they're they thrown out the park for dancing together. Because they were two men. Yep. 
That's bullshit, shit, shit. That's bullshit, shit, shit. That's bullshit, shit, shit. That's bullshit, shit, shit. I hear you talking that bullshit. So they went to court. The court decided, like, you're infringing on their First Amendment rights because dance is a protected form of free speech. So then Disney was like, okay, those two gay guys can come in and dance in our park, but nobody else. No That's other gay. bullshit. Oh, yeah. So then a Seriously? few years later, another group of gay men wanted to go. Dance were thrown out, took them back to court. Disney, like, the same ruling came down, said, like, you can't do that. That's what the hell? On, on the First Amendment rights. So then became this trend of Disney doing sort of a passive acceptance. This is also around the time when uh, that unofficial gay days was uh, starting up at, uh, mm. at Disney parks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which was meant for uh, queer families to actually show up in numbers so that way they wouldn't feel like they were as likely to be discriminated against by right. art employees or even by other guests at the park so they all figured let's all show up we'll wear red so that way we all know hey hey we'll feel good about it we can all like go with our families just to have a good time now gay days has become like you know i know back in orlando it's a week-long gay festivities you know Mm. events and parties and all sorts of stuff um so that kind of became this era of passive acceptance Uh slowly over the years disney has kind of taken a more uh progressive stance about inclusivity Right. Which is great and awesome, but it's also like, oh, we remember when you guys weren't <laughs> in our community. Like, right, right, right. No, so for like, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I was there when, you know, the uh, Boy Scouts of America, they were on their whole anti-trans policy, and Disney removed them as an official volunteer partner. They just said, like, mm-hmm. we're cutting ties with that organization. We don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they figured out a long time ago that inclusivity is not just also, like, good like morally and ethically but it's also good business when you're telling yep. people yeah, yeah. that you don't want their money that's not really great for your business so um along the ways disney has adopted this more inclusive you know stance where we can have a debate is about whether or not that's just in the name of good business or if this is actually mm. a good step forward for the community in terms of representation and visibility like are they just trying to capitalize off of you know a specific community because i mean i, I think I, I don't have the numbers in front of me but it was something crazy where like there's a huge like billions of dollars that the queer community has in buying power uh yeah. like i think like 10 million americans identify as queer in some form yeah. um and then not to mention the allies and family members of those queer individuals so you're talking about huge swath of people who would be like yeah it'd be nice if we were welcomed here not only welcomed but with open arms and with everything else that all the other communities have been afforded up to this point so yeah it is a weird thing where it's like you're talking about a corporation and how they're interacting with a community in real time in real life and also how they're interacting with them by way of their fiction and their entertainment and what Mm. they actually decide to put out into the world. So yeah, it's a very weird, complicated thing. Um, I don't think I would ever, I I would understand anybody's stance in regards to Disney. If they're just like, it's not enough. We need more. Sure. When are we going to get Ben Poe actually a real canonical thing? Yeah. Or if they're just like, no, it's great because it's a mainstream company that is making these baby steps forward. And if a company as mainstream and ubiquitous as Disney can make these steps, then that's a good thing for everyone. Like, yeah, I get that point too. Um, I don't think there's a wrong way to feel about this. Um, I mean, let me me ask you a a question. Is there a way to essentially kind of have both? 
accept like be glad but be cautious is there a way to yeah 100 percent. you should demand more of i mean we live in a time where we're very aware of our buying power and our power as individuals Mm -hmm. especially within a market right um and let's face it disney uh, even though they are massive and huge they're not the only game in town you know it's like there are other people making entertainment there are other people uh you know who are in the exact same businesses that they're in um whether or not they've adopted more inclusive you know policies or not i can't really speak to that at that moment but i think disney does recognize at least from a business standpoint that it doesn't make sense to start excluding people i think where people feel a little icky about it is when they're just like "Mm, i'm not getting enough and i'm certainly not getting enough quick enough because like right. you were saying it's like we're getting like you know representation in the background in mm-hmm. the periphery mm-hmm. but wh- where's our queer princess where's our our, yeah. our gay prince where's our you know uh just a, a show on disney about you know a queer individual or yeah. a trans individual or that you know and of course disney is always going to be framed in the sense of like well we want to be welcoming of everybody because we are welcoming to all uh, but at the same time, we're family friend. That's always the argument, right? Family, family friendly. friendly. Yeah, yeah. Right. So. But the BS part about saying family friendly, though, is like, is like you're saying you're anti-gay, you're also anti-black, and well, you're also anti-women because all those family friendly ideals prescribe to old notions that we shouldn't live by anymore that we know are like bad in practice. So like, it's fucked up. Right. So it becomes this thing of like, they are no longer going to adopt those obviously like exclusive attitudes, like openly and brazenly anymore. Like they can't. They won't. Right. They never will. They're past that point. Yeah. Where you get is just sort of the sort of like baby stepping back into like the family friendly closet, so to speak, where you're just mm-hmm. like, we're not going to put that front and center because we want to make sure we're not offending anybody, including people who still have very uh, discriminatory attitudes towards certain communities. Mm. So mm-hmm. as we get ready to wrap up really quickly, again, thank you, Tony, for coming to light us with this and like share your knowledge with us. So yeah. as like allies and people moving forward, like what is the recommendation that you would give for people to do? Like if they want to like help out and help push companies like Disney, whatnot, to be more inclusive, just tell more queer stories or whatnot. Like what is something that you would like encourage people to possibly do? I mean, I, you know, we're, we're such an online community and it always feels so like lame to just be like, be a keyboard justice warrior like no but like voicing your opinion really does help you know it really does people pay attention to that so if you ever know for a fact that there is going to be you know um a property that is coming out that is promising you know a certain you know promise about representation whether they come through with that or not or they don't voice your opinion about it you know voice Mm. like we want more we want this to happen this deserves to happen this should be happening already the fact that it's not is kind of silly that it's not because it's 2021 i mean we're already damn we're a fifth way through the century like that's crazy um so yeah i mean voicing your opinion is always going to be good um just being good allies to the people in your lives is always going to be the best thing that anybody can do on on a very micro level interact with the people that you know and that you love um support the community in every which way that you can whether it's you know respecting pronouns you know introducing you know yourself and inserting your own pronouns even as a cis uh hetero person if if you're just you know a firmly uh non-queer ally um you know, paying attention when uh, individuals far smarter than myself and far more involved with the movement um, yeah, have yeah. to say, like, you know, just 
pay attention, insert yourself when and where you can. Um, I don't think there's ever gonna be a point when we march on you know, the Disneyland. I don't think that's gonna be happening <laughs> anytime soon. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think there's always ways in which we can support, especially in regards to representation in media, since we are such an online community. Um, voice your opinion, and it doesn't always have to, I think people always assume that it's only the community that cares. It's mm. only the queer community. It's only the LGBTQ plus community that cares about this sort of stuff. Yeah. When you actually go ahead and make it known that like, I am not part of that community. I'm just an ally and I care very much deeply about the same things that my community, that my, uh, the other community does. And it's something yeah. that I also want. And if it's not happening, that's going to affect my relationship with you guys as a consumer. Like, right. I feel like that's at the very least uh, what anybody could do. Um, before we go, Tony, I'm going to, I want to ask you, Give me a really quick answer for, for this one. Um, yes. Your favorite, a Disney character uh, uh, that I think, that you think does a good job representing the, uh, the queer community or the, you know, uh, and then the character that needs improvement. <laughs> I mean, we're about to uh, also do another episode where we talk about High School Musical, the musical, the series. Wow. That's right. Um, yeah. Ryan in the original High School Musical, um, that was just the most blatant form of queer coding I've ever seen, where that mm -hmm. character was, I think, very obviously supposed to be representative of a gay teenage uh, boy. Um, and even the director came out and said, like, that's supposed to be a gay boy. And uh, mm -hmm. we didn't feel like, I didn't feel like Disney was ready for that yet. Like, Kenny Ortega has gone ahead and said, like, that was my call. We didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Now in High School Musical, the musical, the series, it's like not only are there already characters that are out, accepted, mm -hmm. and they're having these very sweet, like age appropriate interactions with each other. And it's very awesome and sweet. And it just honestly, like, it's so silly to think that puppy love would like affect me <laughs> that much. But I honestly <laughs> felt very moved by the fact that like, oh, this is so surface, but there's something really nice about the fact that it's yeah. just a nice, sweet tale about, you know, for the two boys in the show uh, that are a couple. And I was like, oh, that's really nice and sweet. No, I'm not so, ready. Yeah. I, was, I almost teared up during the Casey Nero episode, which we'll be talking about. Oh, when we my God. Yes. Yeah, so we'll talk about it. Doing the piano. I was like, oh, gosh, Jesus, damn it. You're doing it. Well done. <laughs> no sad. There's always going to be another mountain. I'm always going to want to make it move. Yeah. So that was, I think, probably the most blatant like side-by-side -side comparison I could make. What happened in High School Musical versus what's happening in that actual High School Musical television series. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Tony, for coming on. You know you're a welcome guest here. And as Tony said, please be an ally. Make your voice heard. Speak out. Create change. And um, if you want to show Tony your thanks, one, go check out her awesome podcast. Have you tried not being a podcast? Links are below. Send her a thank you letter on, tweet, um, on Twitter. And also... Y'all don't know this, but Tony loves hats. She especially loves berets. So send her a beret. Send her a beret to show your thanks. There they are. <laughs> That's not enough. I don't know if you guys know that. Enough. Not enough. You gotta get your, more. That wall has more. to be covered. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> she needs a room for her berets. And she has to that, have a border of berets. Exactly. I have exactly. a room for my berets. <laughs> and with that said, everybody, thank y'all so much for coming. And again, I'm Johnny. I'm Justin. I'm not them. Hi. And that, <laughs> hey, that was Tony. And we'll see y'all next time. Peace, y'all.